we want to take a few minutes and study together. And before we begin our Torah study, let's pray. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. Well, I, I want to share with you an experience that I had this week. I was in Orlando for most of the week for board meetings with the Messianic Jewish Alliance of America and the International Alliance of Messianic Congregations and Synagogues. And on Tuesday, the IMCS uh, board was meeting. Tuesday morning, we started with prayer, and Rabbi David Chernoff from Beth Yeshua uh, in Philadelphia is the chairman, and he started us off in prayer, and we were moving along in prayer. It was going pretty well. And while we were praying, this word came to me. And so I wrote down the word, and it was just one word. It was five letters. I just wrote it down, and I thought, I wonder what this is about. And so I began to pray about the word, and as I was praying, it was like it opened up immediately to me. And while I was in the middle of that process, Rabbi David stopped the prayer and said, does anybody have a word from the Lord? <laughs> and you know, there are some times when you're not sure about things or you don't want to, you know, be presumptuous or anything like that. But I knew this was a word that I hadn't come up with. It was a word from the Lord. And so I said, I just wrote down a word and I'll share the word with you. And here it is, begat. And people sort of looked around the room like, oh no, not Levine again. You know, like. <laughs> but I prayed for, and this is not good English, I understand, for the begat anointing to be strong upon us as we were there as Messianic rabbis. And that it could be said of us in the future that we begat shepherds for the house of Israel, that we begat rabbis, we begat Rebetzin, we begat Messianic congregations and synagogues, and that we would have the anointing that would bring forth like this. And as soon as I started praying about the begat anointing and the details, everyone got it in the room. And we were all moving in the same spiritual direction with a sense of faith. You know, sometimes you get a word from the Lord and it is powerful in igniting your faith and causing you to understand what to focus on. And that's what happened. And so it was very interesting to see this, this moment. And we, we kept coming back to this idea during the sessions together. And so I want to share with you today about the begat anointing. And you know I like good English. You know I like proper English. And begat anointing is not really, but you get the point already. I want to connect it to the Torah reading for this week. It's called Chaye Sarah, the life of Sarah. And it marks the end of Sarah's life. 
but it's a good time to consider the impact of her life. In fact, the scriptures encourage every one of us to take time to consider both Abraham and Sarah. And it's noteworthy because Sarah is identified as an equal to Abraham, a true companion and a partner in life, and our mother, the woman who brought forth our people. So I encourage you to read the Torah portion with that in mind. But as you read, you'll notice there are only a few verses about Sarah in this week's reading because it's the marking of the end of her life. And so, therefore, go back as many chapters as you need to to pick up from Genesis 11, the life of Sarah, and read all the way through and look at her life. But I want to share with you not from the Torah scriptures, but from other scriptures that speak about the life of Sarah. And I want to connect it to the begat anointing. So turn to Isaiah 51. We'll look at two verses here. And if you brought your Bible, I congratulate you. And if you didn't, you can be congratulated in the future. Isaiah 51, verse 1. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, you who seek the Lord. That's speaking to all of us, yes? Look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who gave birth to you in pain. When he was but one, I called him, then I blessed him, and I multiplied him. So we're instructed by the prophet Isaiah to consider carefully, to think carefully about what we're made of and what we've come from. We've come from Abraham and Sarah. Not just Abraham, Abraham and Sarah. And it's so interesting that Abraham is identified as our father, and Sarah is the one who painfully gave birth. And if you think about it, conceiving at her age was hard. Being pregnant was hard. But the actual delivery process, as described here, was intensely difficult. She writhed in pain. That's what the scripture says. She gave birth in pain. She gave birth writhing. And she was old. And it was hard. But she was successful in giving birth. Look to Sarah who gave birth to you in pain. You know, sometimes we think about Abraham and Sarah and we've got these idealized, uh, like, children's storybook pictures of their life. They got a word from the Lord, and then, ha, 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 life was so good, and then, ba-boom, they've got all these, you know, they got a kid, and they got then grandchildren, and after that, it was just a wonderful time, and they had no problems because they were following the Lord, and everything was easy. It wasn't really like that. I encourage you to actually read the scriptures, not the storybooks. It cost a lot for Sarah to give birth. We're indebted to her and to every mother who's writhed in pain to bring us forth. Sarah not only gave birth to Isaac, who was the son of the covenant, she gave birth to a nation 
through her and through Abraham, we were birthed. All those who have put their trust in the God of heaven and earth, all those who trust in the God of Israel. And I want you to think about this. Though she was not born a Jew, she became the mother of the Jewish people. How many of you knew this already? She was not born a Jew. Either you're shy about raising your hand or you need to uh, study a little bit more. <laughs> Neither Abraham nor Sarah were born Jewish. Okay, is, is that news to you? If it is today, let it never be news in the future. <laughs> Keep this in your head. They were not born Jewish. They didn't have Jewish parents. They became the mother and father of the Jewish people by God's initiative and their obedience. The covenant that God made with Abraham also included Sarah. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 17. We'll look at a few verses here. God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, don't call her Sarai anymore, for her name is to be Sarah. And I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her and she will be the mother of nations. She will be the mother of Goyim and kings of peoples will descend from her. The same promises that God was making to Abraham, he made to Sarah. And Abraham discovered something. He could not do this without her. You remember, he tried. It didn't work so well. It didn't work so well then. It's still not working so well. It's had some impact even on the course of history. But understand this, all that God promised to Abraham was connected to Sarah. Verse 17, then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed. I mean, maybe you remember that Sarah also laughed when she heard the word of the Lord. Now you know Abraham laughed and Sarah laughed. So this is the beginning of Jewish humor. <laughs> and they're both laughing and they're not laughing in doubt, in skepticism, they're laughing in astonishment and amazement because they are thinking like, are you serious? You're gonna use us? Do you know how old we are? Have you examined the conditions of our bodies? You know, it probably would have been a good idea to plan an earlier time for this but they were laughing. And Abraham said in his heart, shall a child be born unto him that is 100 years old? That's a nice Hebrew way of saying, I'm 100 years old, you think I can do this? <laughs> and shall Sarah that is 90 years old bear? Lord, are you sure? And the Lord says, yeah, yeah, I'm completely sure. I'm completely sure. This is the way I'm going to do it. Abraham laughed. Sarah laughed. In verse 19, the Lord answered, Your wife, Sarah, you see, already the Lord's calling her Sarah, 
will indeed bear you a son, and you're to name him Yitzchak, which is derived from the word for laughter. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And so the Lord is saying, there's a lot at stake here. He's making it clear that the promise that God made to Abraham was connected to Sarah and that Abraham would have a son with Sarah. And that through this child, the covenant would be extended not just through Abraham, but through Abraham and Sarah. That's very important. It's one of the reasons we're told by Isaiah to consider both Abraham and Sarah and not Abraham alone. Now let's, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 11, that's an easy one to remember. Hebrews is a, a letter that was written to Messianic Jews, a Messianic Jewish congregation of the time. And this is what it says. By faith, Sarah. Let's stop right there and tell the person next to you, practice this. By faith, Sarah. Speak out loud. By faith, Sarah. By faith, Sarah, even though she was barren and beyond the proper age. Oh, that's important because some people think Abraham and Sarah were primitive. They weren't. They understood biology. They understood age. They understood these issues. They understood that a 90-year-old woman doesn't give birth. They understood that. But by faith, Sarah was enabled to conceive a child because, now this part is very important, she considered him faithful who had promised. So by faith, Sarah conceived because she considered the one who promised to be faithful. You see, this combines faith and faithfulness, which is the true understanding of faith. Faith is not wishful thinking. Faith is not um, speculation. It's not superstitious hope. And it's not um, humanistic, positive thinking, where I say to myself, I want, I want, I want. It's not that, what's that little engine that, that could? I think I can, I think I can. I think I can, I think I can. It's not that. Anyone who's 90 years old, I, I challenge you to just say, I think I can bring forth a nation. I, I think I can conceive. Sarah's singled out here in this letter. She considered God faithful. And she considered the promise that God made to be reliable. And that is a key to everything. It's not that you come up with the idea and you get God to put his stamp of approval on it. It's God's initiative. It's what he wants to do with you and through you that he's looking for you to say amen to. You can spend all your life in frustration trying to convince God to follow your agenda. You can try to become God's project manager. Running all the plans through your Gantt charts. Analyzing everything that he wants to do. Telling him whether it's a good idea or not. Any of you who have tried it, I tried it. <laughs> it doesn't work. 
But Sarah did something different. She took the word of the Lord to her as authoritative. And because of that, she trusted God and she considered that all of his words were true. I was thinking this morning during the Torah service, um, the prayer that, that we say when we are um, closing out the Haftorah. And you might listen to this, the familiar words. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, rock of all eternities, faithful in all generations, the trustworthy God. You get that? The trustworthy God who says and does. What makes us radically crazy is we believe this. We believe God speaks and acts. Who says and does, who speaks and makes it come to pass. All of whose words are true and righteous. Faithful are you, O Lord our God, and faithful are your words. For not one word of yours is turned back unfulfilled. For you are a faithful and compassionate God and King. Blessed are you, O Lord, the God who is faithful in all his words. Baruch ha'el bachal you are faithful in all your words. That's what we're saying every time we're, we're reading from Torah, from the Haftarah, and from the Brita Chadashah. We conclude every reading of the Haftarah with those words. We're declaring, God, you speak and make it come to pass. The foundation of the biblical Judaism that we've inherited and that we continue with is based on this, that God is a God who speaks and brings things into existence. And God said, light be and light was. When God speaks, it's true. God's not a man that he would lie. It's so important. If you want to be a true son of Abraham, a true daughter of Sarah, a true son of Sarah, a true daughter of Abraham, because all of us are sons and daughters of both. I want you to get that. If you want to be true, then having that sense that what God says is authoritative and it will come to pass, that is essential. It will get you through the challenges of life it will help you to accomplish that which God wants to do, which you cannot do in your own power. And it all connects to the begat anointing. And yes, it's not good English. So all the English teachers who keep saying to themselves, I don't know why he's saying it again. He should clean it up already. Well, I'm not finished with it. The begat anointing, the anointing to beget. Many times scripture says so-and-so begat, or someone begat so-and-so. I believe that the begat scriptures are the most skipped in all the Bible. How many can verify that? When you come to those passages that go, and he begat, and she begat, and they begat, and begat, 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 
it's really easy to go, blah, 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 and then you look for when that whole thing is over with so you can read the real stuff. How many can confirm this? I'm thankful that the Lord didn't skip over the begatting process or everything would have come to an end really quick. As we're preparing for Hanukkah and the end of the common calendar year, here's a question. What do you hope to beget? I I want you to think about that. I want you to ponder that question because many of us have something in our hearts that, that we want to give birth to or give life to or to see sustained so that it becomes fully alive. We want to cause something to prosper from the very beginning and to go forward. And I'm not only talking about natural childbirth here, because the scripture says that Abraham begat. But I can tell you this, no man ever begat anything on his own. No man ever begat a child all by himself. There is one case in the scripture where a woman did begat without a man. Miriam, yeah. But no case where a man begat without a woman. And I know some of you are thinking, well, Adam, what about Adam? Well, he didn't begat. He went to sleep. (laughs) And God did the work. And while he was, you remember what preceded it, you need an appropriate helpmate, someone who's like you, who corresponds to you, who can be really useful. And uh, let's look at all the animals. They all paraded by, and the man, you know, who loves dogs and horses and all these things, wasn't really attracted to any of those. Thank goodness. And the Lord says it's not good for you to be alone and then put Adam to sleep. And while he was asleep, took some uh, like human material, did a little GMO action on it. I was thinking about that. Have Have you considered that? Some genetic modifications because male genes and female genes are not the same. And and God creates a woman, Isha, from man, and then wakes Adam up, and Adam looks, and his response could roughly be translated, his, his verbal response recorded in Hebrew could roughly be translated like this, wow! <laughs> and then the next part was, what is it? <laughs> And the Lord says, it's a woman. (laughs) And Adam's thinking, what what do you do with a woman? (laughs) And, And they had to discover what does it mean to be man and woman together before God. It's a fascinating thing, but Adam did not begat Eve. I'm thinking also about women who who begat without becoming a a physical mother for 
for foster mothers, for adoptive mothers, for, for step-parents as well, men and women, for foster parents, men and women, and for that matter, grandparents. You know, you cannot begat a grandchild. It's not possible, though many parents of teenagers wish they could have, they wish they could have during troubling times, you might say, couldn't we have just skipped this and gone to the next generation already and had some grandchildren? But you don't get there that way. You can beget a generation which begets a generation, and thus you have grandchildren and so forth. But it's not just about physicality. I'm talking about something else, something that the Lord wants to bring forth through you that you can't bring through on your own but needs to be brought forward with God's help. I know for Sandy and me, it's our heart's passion to raise up shepherds for the house of Israel, to raise up rabbis and rabbitson. But not just clergy, but shepherds for the house of Israel. And you know, you can serve as a shepherd if, if you are faithful to lead one Jewish person to the Lord or disciple one Jewish person or help one person fit into the community of faith. You can be like a shepherd who does that. It's not only about clergy. And we have a passion to, to beget congregations and messianic synagogues and to see them thrive. And we want to be able to conclude our days knowing this, that our children and our, and our grandchildren are faithful to God and faithful to us. Those are things that are deep within our hearts. They're, they're deep passions. And I want you to consider um, this question, to ponder it. I want to encourage you to meditate about it. And maybe something will quickly come to your mind. I know what I want to beget. I know what I'm in the middle of begetting. I know that there's more to it. It's not just a simple process. It's not always a fast process. And it's not just a matter of giving birth to something, but seeing it grow up and thrive. Everyone who thought they'd be happy if they just had a child found out, well, after you bring that baby home, there's a lot of work. And there's not much sleep. Think about this. Some of you will remember what you've forgotten. You've forgotten because you waited so long you thought it won't happen. But I want to encourage you, during these weeks, spend time with the Lord and say, Lord, bring to my memory, remind me again of what you said before in my days of old, what you said you wanted to do with me and through me, and let him reactivate your memories. Discover things that have been floating around in an unformed way in your mind and your heart and your spirit. Maybe you already know, but you can't articulate it. And so I want to encourage you to use this time between now and Hanukkah and the beginning of the year to, to get clear and by spending time with the Lord with this question, Lord, what do you want me to beget? What do you want me to um, give life to and sustain? Now, here's some good news. Some of you got prayer at Kadima 2019 with the Messianic rabbis from Ukraine and Crimea. And 
you already are thinking about what's on your heart that you want to see develop into fullness. And God, I think, wants to encourage you to pursue this. And others of you are saying, I wish I had gotten prayer. Well, here's the good news. It's great news, actually. We're planning Kadima 2020, 2020. We're planning it now, and it will happen. And what's interesting, it's not going to be in November. It will start the first week of this new year. And the three rabbis are coming back. Yeah. They're going to be with us. They are going to arrive um, like on New Year's Eve, late at night, God willing. And then they'll be here for a few days and for that Shabbat. And then we'll go together to the IMCS Rabbis Conference. And while they're here, uh, we want to have time for prayer and ministry, especially for those of you who said, I wish I had another chance. You do. Don't miss it. And also, some of you enjoy the Q&A time, the question and answer time. We're going to have another session like that. So give us your questions now and in the days ahead so we can prepare for that. And we're going to have a wonderful time. So mark that on your calendar. Now, here's the thing. In order to have the time for Q&A and some extra prayer, we would need to add a Thursday night meeting for that. So the only question is, would any of you come for that? It, if, if you would come, raise your hand right now. Okay. I asked this of the Friday night group. They had about the same response. So we will do it on Thursday night. Okay. So that we can accomplish all this. So let's close right now with some prayer, with anticipation, with expectation. But if you're saying to yourself, I need clarity, I need focus, and I need a a word from the Lord that's so clear that I can hang on to it. And if I've had it, I need it refreshed. If you're one of those people that needs clarity, just stand up right now. If you, if you need focus, stand up. If you've lost hope because you think you've waited way too long, stand up. Because this is a word from the Lord. Don't give up. Do you remember what Rabbi Valeri said? Don't give up. And remember Rabbi Uri's word, timing is everything. Don't quit right before the victory. My wife has hope. She's standing with me. I need you. Lord, we're standing here right now, and we ask that the anointing, the begat anointing, would rest upon us, that we would be open to beget, and to give life to, to give birth to, to sustain, to nurture, and to see raised up into fullness that which you put into our hearts and our minds and our spirits, that we would be saying yes and amen to you, knowing that in Messiah every promise of God is yes and amen. And I pray, Lord, for, for the pouring out of hope of courage, of boldness, of trust, of faith, to believe that you who make promises are faithful, that you speak and it comes to pass. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Yeshua, we pray. Yivarechecha Adonai, v'yishmarecha.
Ya'era Adonai Panavelecha Vichunecha, Yisa Adonai Panavelecha, Vayasem Lecha Shalom. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep watch over you and protect you. The Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace. In the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Join us next door for the Oneg in honor of Avraham. Shabbat Shalom.